you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I want to welcome our guest preacher today, Hanak McConnon. He is a graduate of Nesaret Christos Seminary. I didn't probably quite get that right. I was working on him with him, and I haven't got it quite right. And Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, AMBS, in Elkhart, Indiana. So Hinnock works on a partnership between these two seminaries, and he also works more broadly with AMBS's Global Leadership Collaborative Initiatives. He's originally from Ethiopia. He's been living uh, in the U.S. for about five years now. Uh, his wife, Miskana, have he and his wife, Ms. Ghana, have two children, two daughters in Goshen, Indiana, where they live. And a number of you had an opportunity to hear Hinnock speak last night. He gave us a, a really, I think, a fascinating dive into the history of Christianity in Ethiopia, um, kind of the history of Mennonites, how Mennonites arrived in Ethiopia, and then where the church is now. I, I really, really appreciated uh, Hinnock sharing yesterday, and we got to share more around the table last night, so it's been great to have him. So I want to welcome you up here, Hinnock, and I'll pray for you. Let's pray. Loving Father, I give thanks to you for the presence of our brother Hinnock here this morning. I give thanks for the diversity of your global body reflected in his life and presence uh, in the written word in English and Amharic, uh, in the bread that we'll taste today at communion, uh, in diverse languages, customs, food, and culture, Lord, but united as brothers and sisters under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, this morning that Hinnock's words and message might bring glory to our Lord Jesus. I ask that your spirit would be at work in Hinnock as he proclaims your word. And I ask that your spirit would be at work in us as we receive that word. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much for this invitation, and I'm so happy to be here and share God's word with you. Um, I just, just since yesterday was lovely, and uh, I was telling for my wife last night and this morning as well that I think we should move around here. <laughs> uh, but thank you for one welcome. Uh, for the feeling that I felt, let's feel like home. So uh, it's more of coming from you. So I like that, and thank you for that. And this morning, I would like to share with you something that I've been thinking for quite a while. And um, as oh, Matthew shared with us, we'll focus on 
Uh, there's one statement in the whole verse that I'm really uh, interested in talking about. So today, like, I want to delve into the core of our faith journey, that dynamic of our relationship with God. What kind of relationship are we building with God? Privately, individually, also communal as a church. So in that verse, we've been called. It's the first commandment. It says, love the Lord your God, one, with your whole earth, heart, two, with all your soul, three, with all your mind. I just want to take a pause on that. That's a quite a commandment. <laughs> How in earth people can love someone in such a way? I mean, sometimes, you know, we read the Bible, we just go through it. It just, if you pause on it, like, say, this is strange. <laughs> with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, love the God. So what does that mean in what kind of relationship is God is asking us to have? Um, next slide. I think I don't have a clicker, so I'm, I'm going to rely on him. Next one. One more slide. There are two pitfalls. Like these two pitfalls in our relationship, I came across because of my experience growing up in Ethiopia first. And then after I moved to US here. So those experiences, you know, I kind of start feeling them later on. So you will kind of suspect which pitfall for which continent and which one where. But I'm not generalizing that this one usually works in Africa or you know, global south and here global west, I mean in the western countries. Before I go to that pitiful though, um, I want to share with you a story. The story that I'm about to share with you has changed me and continue to challenge me as I think of my own personal first journey with God. So this happened like six years ago, probably seven years ago now. I, I and Ms. Gana, Ms. Gana is my wife. Her name is Ms. Gana. We were living right next to the seminary, the Masarta Crystal Seminary. And it was Saturday. I received a phone call from my older brother. It was a normal phone call. He went to, in fact, let me go back a little bit. I gave him a phone call, not him. I am the one who initiated the call. It was a normal to check on him, to say, hi, how are you? Then we did, you know, we talked a little bit, and after, like, into our conversation, maybe five or six minutes later, he said, what's up? So why you call? 
my response was, oh, nothing, just to check in. Say hi, hello, kind of. Then his reply was so powerful and it shakes me like big time. Still not whenever I think about it. He said, you never called me to check me, like to say hi. Our relationship, yours and mine, always depend when I need something so he will call, so I will help him out with whatever that is, or I can give him a call when something happens so that that's the nature of our relationship. That's, that's what we've been, this is, we never had that, this kind of conversation like, oh, why did you check in to say hi? It was like, that day I was like, oh my God. I was telling from Ghana, my wife, he's right. All of our conversation, usually phone call that we do with him, why do with him, circle around with a need. If there is a crisis or something, either I will initiate or he initiate. Then we talk about that and that's it. That's pretty much it. This phone call experience has taught me a great deal on a way I often approach God. Usually, we tend to reach out to God when we are in need of something. We are in crisis. I see this a lot in Ethiopia. By the way, Ethiopia is a religious country, so by virtue, everyone believes, you know, God. You know. So they usually go to like, oh, something happened. So it's not like it's not hard to share good news to Ethiopian. There's a basic, you know, foundation already there, then they don't, so it's, it's really hard to define what atheist means in Ethiopia, it, like not believing in God. Pretty much everyone believes in something. So now, imagine if every call I made to my brother was solely when I need something. Unfortunately, this pattern can reflect in our relationship with God. Often we turn to God primarily when we're facing difficulty, seeking his assistance as a last resort. What's the danger there? What, What's wrong to have that kind of relationship with God? What's, what's the problem with that? It's good to even to reach out to God. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. Because there is a more danger, which I will come to in the second pitiful. But in this way of having relationship with God, the danger lies We are reducing our connection with God to crisis management system. 
God desire is a continuous, intimate relationship with us. I understand, you know, it's natural to seek God in times of trouble. But our first journey need to extend beyond that. Fostering a consistent and nurturing a communion with him in both in a good time and when we're in need of, we're in crisis. The next slide, I should have said earlier. The second pitfall is we rely on God in time of crisis. I told you this one. The second one is we don't even rely on him. We, especially nowadays, we know everything. We do have, like, for every question you can come up, there is a way to, oh, you know, you can do this. Oh, my child is sick. Oh, you can take the hospital. There's all kind of, I thank God for that. I'm not, please, hear me out. I'm not saying that with this whole resource we have around us, it's bad by its own. It's not bad. And I'm so glad we are advanced technologically and intellectually that we have a way to tackle some of the problems we hadn't had before. But what it makes us is you can question, like, why I need God then? Just tell me one reason why I need God. When you brought out the, oh, I can do this way. I can do that way. So we are rely on ourselves, our intellectuality, problem solving, critical thinking. I can give you one thing, oh, especially in here in the US. I work in you know, higher education. They dismantled in a teeny tiny pieces to try to understand what does that mean and they put it together, but that's what critical thinking is all about. I mean, I'm so glad that we are such being, you know, we, are, we have that mindset. But when that is at the expense of taking away my relationship with God, then I think we need to pause there and ask questions. Few, I think probably by now, months ago, somebody reached out from Ohio, somewhere here. I was telling for um, Matthew and his wife yes, last night. Somebody reached out to me by email. They want to interview me because this person is collecting stories around the globe, especially from Mennonite Church around the globe. What they, this person is doing is collecting a story of the work of Holy Spirit in the church for Anabaptism 500, you know, Menno Media Projects, the whole. So they reach out to me and they wanna 
hear what I think, you know, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is working here in Ethiopia, in the church. And it's so interesting. Like, I replied, I said, oh, sure. So we happen on the Zoom call. We start having that conversation. The conversation was so powerful that this person was trying to frame <laughs> the question to me. Like, he, I, I, can feel, I, can, I can hear from, from the way this person asking. Like, we hear this all kind of extraordinary stories from Africa. Like, how the Holy Spirit is working. Yet we don't see it here. We don't experience it here. I mean, so this person tried to like, is that has to do with, because we have so much, you know, resource, so much we are intellectually advanced, and that somehow take away our desire to seek out God, then God no longer interested with us because no one, because the Bible says, seek out to me and I'll be there, right? God wants us to seek out to him. And, and he will be there. I'm not going to go in detail of the conversation I had with this person, but it kind of put me in this position. It was like, yeah, there are times we totally rely on ourselves. And I start asking, my, asking the question, or, okay, maybe there are things. I used to think that there, there are so many you know, issues especially from Ethiopia, that I, the context that I came from, might have contributed for my continuous relationship with God. <clears throat> we might think we have got all things figured out. Rely on our own plan and strategy, neglecting, you know, the divine wisdom and the guidance God offers us. Yesterday, I was sharing with the people who came here that I was with these two leaders from Ethiopia, the Saleng Ababa and Gishu Jabecha, who are, you know, the president of the Masrata Christos Church. The Masada Christos Church is Anabaptist church, Anabaptist church in Ethiopia. And we are recently, what I heard, close to one million members. So this summer they were, you know, traveling around here in the US. And I was the one, I was with them, so I was traveling with them as well. So there is this question that keeps coming in every place I go. Especially, you know, you know this leader will say, oh, yeah, this is how many, you know, the numbers now. Uh, we're growing. Because of that, we, we have this need, all that. And there is this question that kept coming from there. So, okay, 
Now tell me the strategy, what kind of thing you guys are doing to have this huge church. And the reply usually that comes from Gishu and the Salah is annoying. We just pray. And they say, yeah, I understand you pray, but what exactly, like, and the Salah and Gishu, they will look at me, can you help me what they are asking? <laughs> You are the leader. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like in that interaction. What I'm trying to see is God's church, the church led by the God, the Holy Spirit, needs God's presence and God's wisdom, guidance. I'm not saying. Oh, I'm, and I don't think none of them saying that. Oh, we don't have any strategy. We just pray, and this happened. But what I'm hearing from these leaders are there are so many unspeakable, like so many stories that you can't comprehend that's happening in the church. And they look back and say, I don't think none of what we are doing is what's, like, what makes it happen. That there's something out there beyond our comprehension. I was sharing yesterday, I don't want to off <laughs> from my um, message, I was not planning to share this one. There is lay leadership in Ethiopia. Lay leadership means like if, let's say if I go out, you know, we do by the way public proclamation. We do go out and share the gospel to people. Literally, there is an evangelism department in each church that help people to come and we go together and walk around straight and have conversation with people. It's, it's interesting, the story that is interesting in Ethiopia now is like if someone starts coming to our church, church, like in two or three weeks, start coming, all of a sudden you will hear from this person, oh, so you know, in my neighborhood, in my area, we are now 20, 25, because this guy already started work somewhere. So this kind of phone call is coming to the one, the leadership team. Can you give us some kind of place to worship? Help us financially how to build a church. So the leadership is trying to keep up with the calls that are coming in. So, I will live it that, that way. So, I'm just saying here is that as much as it's good to rely on our wisdom, intellectuality, there has to be a room, and there has to be a place for us, you know, I don't think I know everything. And church, God's church, is led by God. So I have to rely on spirit. I'm so glad to hear that you guys are doing the fasting, prayer. That's a place. That's where we can be vulnerable, be open up. Yes, I might have this. I might know this. I might know this. But still, I don't feel I got the whole thing. And I need your wisdom. I need your 
guide us how to do this. Okay, next slide. So you might ask, what do you want me to do? How I can change and foster a sustainable relationship with God? That's a fair question. Allow me to share a little bit more how I try to resolve my issue with my brother. Not only my brother, by the way, I just gave you a snapshot of my whole dynamics with my whole family. Something you don't know is, okay, there is a, a term in here in US, foster care. Foster care means, like, I think if I understand correctly here, like a, a baby or whoever, if this parent was not able to provide all the needs, then there is a government agency that will take care of it and they will give it to someone for adoption. And that, or that person will go from family to family depending on that person, you know, desire with that family. And there is a whole system. I don't pretend that I know everything. Just like that, but not, it's not like, okay, it's, I'm giving you foster care to get a sense what my life has been in Ethiopia. But it was not run by government. It was my own personal choice. So there were a time that my mom and dad were not, my dad passed away a long time ago, and we were from family five, so I'm the middle one. There was, she, she was like, you know, there was a time we said we don't, there's no way we can be as a family. So we have to find a way to survive. So most of, all of my siblings decide their own journey. Some of them, there was a war between Ethiopia and Eritrea. My older brother went to, you know, become a soldier, and my sister get married to her fiance back then, all that. For some reason, I was interested in education, so I persist going to school. So what happened was, since then, I tried to find a family. So I, I will make my own arrangement. So what is that is, they will send me to school, they will give me a place to stay and feed me while I'm doing the whole thing for them, whatever they ask. So with that kind of arrangement, I've been in eight families. One family to another. I'm telling you this because to show you, I never grew up with my family. I don't know them. I don't know my brother. I don't know my sister. I barely know my mom. So when the time comes that I was like graduated, you know, so depend, like I'm no longer dependent, you know, I have my own job, even like married, you know, have my own kids, stuff. Then that, that you want to build the, that, that family relationship. You reconnect with your mom, reconnect with your brothers and sister. The, the funny part is my dear wife, Ms. Ghana, she grew up in a family where, you know, relatively to, compared to mine, it was taking care of everything. She knows what it means to grow up with her brother, with her sister. All the birthday, you know, memories, you know, that rivalry between the siblings, all the fun. She had it all. 
She grew up with the, you know, like us normal. There is a father and mother. So when we, after we married, like, she called to her sister and a brother, and she called, like she talked for an hour. And I was like, how you do that? Sometimes it doesn't even have a subject. Like, it, what did you call for them? Like, she said, da, 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 da. Like, for me, it was, like, exhausting. Like I said earlier, for me, if something happened, oh, da, 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 I'll go on. That's it, the end of the conversation. If either my brother or my sister try to extend beyond that, I will look my daughter, my daughter, my oldest daughter, and give her the phone to her. <laughs> so, because my daughter, she's so talkative. I was like, oh, God, relief. This is big relief for me. What? What I learned later on is, you know, my wife, she knows them. She spent time with them. She knows what brother means for her. What she knows my she knows everything. Like she been with that. With, she grew up with them. Which is like so it kind of makes sense for her to do all this. But for me, it was like I don't have that. So what I start doing is, okay, I need to work on my relationship with my brothers. Not, like I need to spend time with them. I need to spend time with mom. I need to spend time with my sister and my two brothers. That's where I will, <laughs> that's the place where I will suggest. Next slide. Probably there might be something missing. Go back. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's not mine, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I might have forgot to include this. There was a slide that I was hoping that was there. I was suggesting having a regular Bible study. Like, you don't, if you don't know God, if you're not, if we're not studying the Bible, one place we know God is through Bible, right? That commandment, love your God with all your soul, all heart, it's so hard, unless we get to know him first. The more you know someone, the more you spend time with them, then it kind of makes sense. As much as it feels awkward for me when I see my wife having that long conversation, for her, it's normal. It wasn't me. It just, even sometimes you would surprise, like, where, which planet are you growing up in? It's like, well, I grew up in Ethiopia. It's just that I don't have that. So, if we are not studying the Bible, get to know God. It's really hard, that commandment. Two, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that to watch the, the announcement you make about fasting prayer. 
that's a place you will have like intimate relationship, personal relationship with God. The place where you can be more vulnerable. Not only private, also communal, as a congregation. Usually, I wish there's a chair. Okay, this is how we pray in Ethiopia. I'm going to give you a demonstration. running that prayer might guide us. That posture, that posture as, as being kneeling down so that you know better, like you know better than us. We are here to be guided by you. I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. Please, hear me out. But like that posture being rely on something beyond our comprehension, like something bigger than us. Because the church is not ours. The church is his. Like he's the one who's leading the church. So if God put us in the leadership, in the congregation, we have to be open up, the, like we have to be loosened up a little bit to be used up by spirit, by the God guidance. And one place you can do that is in a prayer. And the other place you can do is in a community. I'm so glad that I have this connection with Matthew and I came here. It shows me that you cons you're not only concerned about your community here, but you also want to know what's going on out there. God is using different congregation to reveal himself. So trying to reach out outside of your box and try to learn what's going on out there, it gives us a glimpse of what, who God is and what kind of relationship he's made, what he is revealing himself in this congregation, in this place. So I'm so glad that you have that at least mindset of like reaching out beyond your community, your own congregation, but also try to learn, okay, what's God doing in Ethiopia? <clears throat> Remind you a little bit, one more time. In Matthew 22, 37, it says, we are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This first challenges us um, to approach our connection with God with wholehearted devotion, involving every aspect of our being, our heart, soul, and mind. So, as I conclude my message today with you, I'm going to leave you with this. Becoming 
a part of God's bigger picture. Requires us. If we want to be you know, God's bigger picture, not like, I'm not really concerned about what is God's plan for our church, our congregation, but what's his bigger picture? What he's trying to accomplish? That requires us, one, to start getting to know God. We need to know him so it can be, become easy to love him. So, this week, as we reflect into these two pitifuls that I talked about, I want to challenge us, including myself, to break free, like this self-reliance, I can do this, I know everything, to just shake ourselves a little bit. No, 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 no. I don't know this. I do need guidance on this. And also from this crisis-driven, you know, when something happened, oh, God, God. No, no, that also we need to come out of that too. God wants to spend time with us. He likes us. He want to have, like, he want to be friend with us. To, like, to have that long conversation I'm just going to have with you, brother. Nonsense, maybe, sometimes. Well, that's what I felt, but for her, it's not nonsense. Beyond this, you know, oh, I need this, so I need you, which I've been doing it for quite a long with my brothers. God wants to have that intimate, personal relationship with us in our private life, individual life, when we study the Bible, when we pray, but also as a congregation, also as a bigger community, like when we reach out. Unless we know, we get to know him, it's really hard, you know. You love your God with all your heart. How, like this is, how dare you ask me? Like, I don't know that. It's huge. But the starting place is there. My prayer is to you that let's strive for a relationship with God that is deep, continuous, and grounded in the love and guidance God only offers us every day. Thank you.